Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. I am a female leader in the professional sports industry, and my front office resume includes titles like general manager, vice president of corporate partnerships, and director of sales. According to the Institute for Diversity and Ethics Research, less than 25% of leadership roles in the sports and entertainment industry are held by women. We've got work to do. Why? Because a 2018 study by McKinsey found that companies with gender and or culturally diverse executive teams were 21 to 35% more likely to outperform the competition. Simply put, diverse leadership helps your bottom line. The Leadership is Female podcast is here to help. The Leadership is Female podcast is here to help. Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. So I am here to create visibility by interviewing successful women who work in sports to uncover opportunities and teach you the tips and mindset that will get you to the next level faster. I believe there is enough room at the table for all of us. Take your seat and join me week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. We will lead you forward because leadership is female. Meet Rachel Perkins, founder of Perks Lifestyle Management, a full-service concierge consulting company offering around-the-clock personal attention for each individual client professional athletes. Perks strives to assist clients by addressing the main stressors and obligations in their lives in order to minimize distractions so they can focus on their job, family, overall mental, physical, and emotional well-being for the longevity of their sports careers. Perks provides clients with a comprehensive experience and unique lifestyle assistance. Here is what Marcus Williams of the New Orleans Saints has to say about Rachel. Quote, Rachel is one in a million type of person. She's there day or night whenever you need her. Whether you are millions of miles away or around the corner, she's only a call or text away. I can trust her with anything, knowing she is going to do her best at all times. Perks Lifestyle Management is intended to be used as a resource for professionals who need additional support in their lives and is meant to be used in addition to clients, managers, agents, and other members of their team. The goal is to provide an accommodating and personal service that streamlines all the moving parts in their career. Rachel is one of a kind. She's easygoing and on point all at the same time. She says she, quote, fell into it when she describes her career, but it's really a story of networking and trusting your skill set. At Rachel's core, she knows she can offer more. So listen into our conversation with Rachel, keep an open mind, learn a lot, see the possibilities. Let's go. Welcome to the Leadership is Female podcast, Rachel Perkins, founder of Perks Lifestyle Management. We're so thrilled to have you here today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to come on and finally get on the podcast I've heard so much about. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. And I know we're going to get so much out of this conversation today. And we got to start out with your introduction, who you are, what you do, and how you got there. Yeah. So I first, I guess, to answer that question, I am Rachel Perkins. I manage professional athletes, primarily NFL and NBA, but I also work across sports. I've 
started in baseball, as you know, and I'm sure we'll get to that, but um, then worked at a big agency managing around 75 of our NFL clients and then left and kind of accidentally fell into starting my own company. So now I basically do the day-to-day everything for athletes. And I have a few female track and field Olympians. Um, so my clients kind of range across the board, but yeah, anything from marketing and branding to helping them with their social media and content strategy to helping them with their schedules and kind of making sure their home life runs smoothly and just everything is organized on point so that they can focus on their sport. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a, the job in a nutshell, obviously it changes day to day, but got started at the, the agencies, but actually really started before that, as you know, in minor league baseball and then major league baseball. So it kind of progressed and started at the Gwinnett Braves doing, uh, everything from the, the can tool race to all the promos in between innings to getting pied in the face on the dugout. And then went to the major league team in Atlanta for the Braves there and worked on the Tomahawk team for like three and a half years, I guess, during college. So that was a grind and all 81 home games going back and forth from Athens to Atlanta, which is about an hour and a half each way. So it was a lot, but I loved it. Learned a lot about the sport. I'd grown up watching Braves games, going to Braves games. So it was kind of a dream come true to, to be there for the last few years at Turner Field. So yeah, kind of progressed out of there and ended up where I am now. You mentioned that you work with female track and field athletes and a couple of Olympians. Given that the Summer Olympics are happening right now in Tokyo, wanted to touch on that part of, of your job briefly. Talk about managing female athletes. Some of the things that we talk about before we got on the call today was giving visibility to these women, uh, creating an authentic partnership. So can you speak a little bit to who you're working with, how you're working with them and how you're helping these, uh, amazing track and field athletes create a larger voice for themselves? Yeah, for sure. It kind of happened unintentionally. I fell into working with Shantae McMillan, who was in the 2012 Olympic games as a heptathlete. She came as a referral from one of my NFL clients. They were friends in college at Nebraska. So it was kind of crazy jumping into that because I had no experience with track and field. I mean, I played or like ran track and did uh, the long jump in high school, but never have worked on that side of marketing and branding and stuff. So it was definitely tough feat for me coming into it. I mean, it's cool because it's opened up a lot of different opportunities and partnerships with different brands that obviously my guys wouldn't necessarily have a partnership with. Um, but it's tough for them. I mean, they're grinding, they are wives, moms, full-time training. They, I mean, and they don't make any money. They do it basically for free and live off sponsorships and donations. So getting creative is definitely what we have to do and kind of start from scratch of figuring out who they are, what they care about, and kind of really getting creative in the way we approach brands and the way we kind of market them and, and the brands that they're already using kind of capitalize on that and, and some of their relationships. And so it's, it's just been a crazy comparison. So this year, Rachel Dinkoff, who went in discus and she competed last Friday and she, it's crazy to see her journey because after I started working with Shantae, she was like, well, I've always wanted to work with you, but I didn't necessarily, I wasn't close to the Olympics and wasn't doing a ton of marketing. So she is actually the girlfriend of one of my NFL clients, Carl Lawson. And so it just kind of, I got Shantae was working with her and then started with Rachel. And so 
she's been, I mean, she moved to, uh, to New Mexico to start training the same year that Carl started training for the NFL combine. So, and now Carl just got his fifth, he's in his fifth year. He just got a big contract. So like, it's crazy to kind of compare how much a money he's made through those four or five years versus her, where she's been just grinding and working side jobs and training full-time and working full-time. And just, I mean, she's done that for five years straight and it's just now starting to finally slowly pay off, but still she hasn't made a ton in marketing endorsements and contracts and stuff, even though she's an Olympian. So just the comparison of the money available in those sports and especially for female athletes in general is tough, but it's cool because it's super authentic. And another, the last one that I'm working with right now is Lindsay Flack. And she got a ton of PR and media around being pregnant at the trials this year. So she didn't make the Olympics, but she came out there 18 weeks pregnant. And that's just something that's so not necessarily shown and, and maybe even accepted sometimes in sports. She's been kind of working with a ton of partnerships with mom, like mommy brands and maternity clothes and just a lot of interviews in that era. And that's kind of, she didn't intentionally have that become her brand and she never even used social media beforehand, but that's opened a whole new market of opportunities for her. So it's cool to kind of see the difference between football and basketball, where a lot of those opportunities come to them. They're very recognized, their names are known, but in Olympics, it's definitely a grind for sure. What opportunity do you see for women in the future in sports? I feel like we're, we're entering into some type of tipping point at the moment. What do you see for women in the future? Yeah. I mean, I think we're at a really cool spot where they're starting to get a lot more traction. I know, I mean, this year with the Olympics, especially female track and field and gymnastics, I mean, it got a ton of media attention and brands are also starting to really recognize and appreciate female athletes, which has been cool. So it's still a very uphill challenge for them, but I think that brands are starting to appreciate the value that they bring to these companies and being able to kind of help build out their internal marketing strategy and kind of who they want to present themselves to their customers um, and just making sure they find the, the right fit because they've kind of realized that with some of the, the bigger name athletes, like the basketball players and the NFL players, like those guys aren't necessarily the ones who show up and do the work and post when they're supposed to and show their personalities and get involved with the day-to-day conversations like a lot of the females do and, and want to get involved in that marketing side of things. So it's a lot more one-on-one conversations and a lot less chasing down the athletes, I guess, working with women. So it's been cool just to kind of like get to know them and work one-on-one and they become my friends, my family, and, and just kind of getting creative with, with them. Yeah. And I'm hearing that the, the opportunity with women and working with female athletes is authenticity, one-on-one conversations, more attention to the brand, to the project, to the objectives than what you might see with some of your, um, higher dollar earning, uh, athletes. Yeah. Well, and like with Shantae, we've done a partnership with UPS where she went and talked to a ton of the female execs. And now, I mean, these days moms aren't just expected to stay at home and have kids. They, want their own careers or they are full-time moms, but also full-time workers and CEOs, and they're getting a lot more exposure and opportunities. So I think these female athletes definitely resonate with them a lot more because I mean, these moms, especially with COVID Shantae was talking through her meditation routine and her journaling and what she does as a mom, but also an army wife. And she's not one that just 
stays at home, but she brought her son Otto with her to training in Ohio where she didn't get to see her husband for months on end because he was training to be a helicopter pilot in the army. So it's just really showing there behind the scenes where a lot of the guys don't necessarily a talk about that, b showcase their home life, but see resonate as much because a lot of people are just like, yeah, they're a rich professional athlete. Whereas these women, they're talking about the grind. They're talking about being a mother. They're talking about being a wife. They're talking about being a friend, like a daughter and just showing up in all these different aspects, which kind of makes them super well-rounded. Wow. What dedication and commitment to her sport, to her family, to her story. I love, I love hearing that. So Rachel, you briefly told us about your day-to-day and I think there's a lot of curiosity around being a player marketing agent, helping these players get through life and seize every opportunity that they can while they're at the top of their game. So how do you take care of your clients? Yeah, I mean, every day is different. Obviously, it's a lot of I laugh and say it's babysitting grown men. So it's uh, a lot of handholding, a lot of teaching, a lot of not enabling because I want them to be very self-sufficient. I want them to learn life skills so that they can become great fathers, husbands, whatever it is, businessmen, um, especially after their career. So I really love focusing on the first, especially year or two with male athletes coming out of college and just adjusting to that transition because it's the one time they don't have people telling them what to do, where to be, how to pay bills, how to do life. And it's a lot of adjustments, a lot of just things thrown at you, whether it's pressure from family and friends and the media and fans and coaches, and just a lot of mental health that goes into that, that a lot of people don't see. So a lot of it's just being, I mean, being there for them, like knowing when they're off, knowing when they want to talk about something or knowing when they're too overwhelmed and don't even want to focus on marketing. Cause that's a huge thing too, if you don't want it to distract them. And with NIL coming out with college kids, making money, you don't want to distract from the bigger picture for some of these guys is making the pros. You don't want to take away from that and spend too much time trying to make a buck on some of these endorsements and stuff where not every endorsement is going to be a good fit for you. Not all money is going to be good money. Not all of these brands are going to align with your strategy that you should have, but also knowing that that could interfere with your scholarship money and basically just kind of teaching them life skills of how to vet different people coming at them and ask the right questions. And so a lot of it's just, it depends on the the personality of the client. It depends on the sport they're in, how much free time they have, um, what their family situation or their home situation is. Sometimes it's helping their wives or girlfriends more so get their life straight at home and help them figure out the kid's sports schedule and how it interferes with the, my guys like training schedules or training camp or travel routines or whatever it is. Everything under the sun to make life smoother, easier, and more lucrative for the athlete during those prime years, right? For sure. Yeah. Cause it's not, it's not for long. <laughs> NFL stands for it's gone before you know <laughs> it and it could switch. I mean, and it, sometimes they call me in the middle of the night having to, they just got traded or they got cut and they have to completely pick up, move to a new city and their wives are left at home while the guys are going to meet with new teams. Like it's just a lot of moving parts that a lot of people don't necessarily think about. And then, I mean, on their off days on, on Tuesday, some of them, maybe they want to go to a children's hospital or want to just have a family day or want to do an appearance with the brand. Like it's just scheduling all those moving parts where they're so tied up 
at certain points of the season, um, but also being proactive, planning out your trips for the off season, planning out where you're going to be traveling to and training and where everyone's going to be, where you're going to be living your camp. If you want to do a summer camp at home. So it's just a lot of trying to make them think a little bit more ahead because usually they're just living in the moment day by day, especially during the season. Yeah. It's cool. Cause it's a lot of wear a lot of hats. Yeah. Um, a hundred percent. And I, a lot of the listeners on this podcast are people who work in sports. So, so they get it, but the average Jane or Joe does not really understand the life of the athlete. They see the big money contracts on TV and think, you know, what a sweet life, what a great life. But the athlete needs to focus 100% on doing their sport, performing Mm -hmm. at the highest level, while at the same time, you have this life going on in the background. And, And I always say about just the players in AAA, like they get a schedule uh, ahead of time, and then they get us another schedule in the morning, telling them where they need to be at what point in time, so that they can just completely focus on performance. Mm-hmm. And so all the other things that are happening in the background in their life are distracting and extra difficult. So using someone like you or Perks Lifestyle Management is tremendously helpful in moving them forward in a healthy way both on the field and in their home life. Mm-hmm. If your home life's not organized and not set, nothing else will be. Yeah. And, you know, I heard you say a couple of times fell into like, oh, I fell into this. Oh, I fell into that. But really what Rachel's great at doing is putting herself in the right place at the right time and maintaining great relationships so that they pay forward. So talk to us a little bit about that. You got your, your start managing athletes at, um, a major agency. Tell us about that experience. I think even you taking that job is a great example of you falling into, or as we could say, trusting the process and the good old saying, everything happens for a reason. So talk about that agency experience. Talk about what it was like your first time watching an athlete sign and then the responsibilities that fell on your shoulders uh, after they were under contract. To start when I fell into it, it was crazy because I was supposed to be moving to Australia for a year. It was right after I graduated college. I was dead set. I had worked for the Braves all through college, interned with IMG, another agency my senior year. And I loved the agency side of things. And I knew I wanted to go that route more than the team route. But I honestly wanted to work more in music or other sort of talent, not in sports at all. So it just was a whirlwind. I had, like I said, interviews lined up, a one-way plane ticket. I was going to Australia for a year and potentially not coming back. I kind of, like I say, I fell into that job at the agency because just someone I had connected with that I worked with at IMG in college reached out over the summer and I turned down some other jobs, but he was like, hey send me your resume. You'd be perfect for this position. We haven't hired in four years. It's client servicing for football players going straight into that instead of working as an intern and an assistant and going like all the way up the ladder, I would be going directly to work with these players. So on paper, it was my dream job because ironically, I was talking to Evan Ingram. We were in an Uber pool my senior year of college and met after the bars in Atlanta one day. And we were just talking in the car on the way home. And he was like, 
what do you want to do when you are older? Like, what are you going to do in Australia? I was like, yeah, I want to connect talent. I knew I wanted to work in an agency. I wanted to connect talent with the community and brands and fans. But I don't, I was at the time I was like, I don't really know if that's a job. He was like, well, I'm going to make it to the league one day and you're going to do my branding and marketing. It's like, yeah, okay. I'm moving to Australia. Good luck making the NFL. I am not working in sports, whatever. So <laughs> full circle, I ended up taking the job at the agency. My grandpa was really sick at the time and it was a hard decision, but an easy decision just because, I mean, I felt like it was a really good opportunity and wouldn't necessarily come up out of nowhere for no reason. So yeah, right place, right time. Just took it and went for it. And I loved it. I mean, I went from zero to 80 clients in two years and had a ton of responsibility, had a ton of just different day-to-day experiences in different areas of the athlete's life. So it was cool to kind of figure out what I did and did not like dealing with and just kind of dealing with a ton of different personalities and having to adjust in different situations. So it just fit my personality of me being very adaptable and just go, go, go and kind of matching the energy in the room. So I learned a ton. I mean, I was working for some of the highest executives in sports. So after two years, I just kind of felt like I hit my ceiling there, grown as much as I was going to grow um, in that position and that role. And really just wanted to focus on a smaller group of athletes. So I really loved the whole first year, especially going from college to the pros during the draft, like draft and pre-draft process of just seeing these guys be so authentic and raw and open with you about their fears and their challenges and what their hopes and expectations and dreams are. And it's not like anyone's there to crush their dreams right there. It's just, they are head down so hyper-focused on one thing and that's getting drafted and making the league. And so it's just cool to kind of help them start mentally preparing and thinking a little bit more forward on, all right, well, once I get drafted, where like how do I help like start finding an apartment how do I ship my car what kind of stuff am I want to be doing in the community and so obviously you don't want to jump the gun too much on that but just kind of helping them start to prepare as much as they can and get a business checking account and an LLC set up so that once they're drafted and have to go to the new city it's a lot of stuff's already taken care of and just kind of working with them on their routine and their diet and their supplements in their sleep schedules because obviously training for the combine is just a huge lucrative part of their career so that's the part I loved I loved helping them just adapt and learn life the first few years and not enabling them just being not a yes man just telling them obviously being there for them and helping them through that situation but being kind of tough it's, it's a lot of tough love you can't be a yes man because they have so many people like that in their corner and those aren't the people who are actually looking out for them they're the ones that just tell them what they want to hear or sell them a dream and give them all these expectations, but don't necessarily deliver on some of that. And I, I just wanted to be a trusted resource for them. And so I kind of had a lot of re- relationships from the agency with clients that I had built that up. And when I left, I just kind of translated those into had one or two specifically Corey Davis was who I started my company for. And he just had a lot going on behind the scenes and just, was like, I trust you. I can't lose you. I'll just pay you to kind of do everything for me, for my life (laughs) directly. So it just kind of started there and grew with different, whether it was clients from the agency reaching out for one-off projects and camps or travel or day-to-day or their parents that I kind of still kept in the loop on some stuff, but 
yeah, just kind of has from there has grown based on relationships and it, it has not been easy. It's definitely been a period of growth and learning and it's the highs are high, the lows are low, as you know, being an entrepreneur and just kind of being a female in sports, it's, it's tough, but it's definitely worth it. And it's been a crazy journey of just, I've started to finally see some of those relationships and, and efforts kind of come full circle, whether it's two years, two months, five years down the road, it's just kind of starting to slowly come together, even though it's been, there's definitely been times with COVID and stuff, it's been discouraging, but it's been, it's been cool. After working under a big umbrella, big agency, where did you get the courage to go out on your own? I think that's, that's the first and most important quality of entrepreneurship. And specifically, as you mentioned, being a woman in sports takes tremendous courage. Where does that come from? I don't, I don't even want to say I had the courage to do it. I just finally, I don't know. I just knew I wasn't happy personally and knew that the environment I I was in, I just wanted better for myself. I wanted to be the one pushing myself and having those wins for myself and my clients and not necessarily working the hours that I was working for other people to benefit if it wasn't necessarily just helping my clients. You know what I mean? Like I would rather build my own sort of company to help these guys one-on-one directly and really be that trusted resource. But I wouldn't say it was me leaving being like, all right, I'm going to start an agency. I'm going to start working with these clients. It was basically just when I left and, and I was at a low point when I left. I mean, honestly, I was super insecure. I was definitely like, my confidence was not there, especially after leaving a, a huge power agency and doing everything for everyone. I, I feel like I had kind of an identity crisis. And so I, I guess it helped just having some of those clients and their parents and people reach out to me that were just like, you were great at your job. <laughs> I can't function without you. And just kind of helping build me up without even meaning to necessarily and kind of sparked the idea of, oh, I could kind of do this for myself. And for my athletes directly, I have the relationships. I've done the work the past few years. I've kind of observed and learned the industry enough. I don't want to be an agent, but I want to be a resource. And I don't necessarily know what that entails at the time, but it's just kind of been a learning and growing curve with my clients too. Just I'm, I'd rather me be the guinea pig than them. So networking, asking the right questions, kind of just a lot of data collection of things that work, things that don't work, them telling me their stories that I can kind of help pass down to some of the younger kids as they come in. So it's just been a lot of um, learning, trusting, always being a student of life in the industry. And um, yeah, just faith, honestly. You guys, we have a new website, leadershipisfemale.com. Please visit us and know that we are here to help get you to the top faster. Are you a career female looking for an edge? Are you looking for answers on how you can level up? Our purpose is to bring interviews with female leaders in sports each week through this podcast, Leadership is Female, so you can uncover opportunities, hear tips to elevate your career, Learn from our mistakes and successes so that you can get to the top faster. We're giving you all the advice we know now that we wish we knew then. We're extending a hand back to lead you forward. Let's go. Visit leadershipisfemale.com. Join our newsletter. Check out all the episodes of the podcast and stay tuned 
for more resources to lead you forward. Leadershipisfemale.com. Throughout this season of Leadership is Female, I've talked with several founders of the Pro Sports Assembly. I'm glad to become a founder too and invite you to join us at prosportsassembly.com. We are the association for people who work in professional sports. Our core purpose is the advancement of diverse and inclusive leadership. From finance to innovation, operations and sales to social responsibility, marketing, human resources, and analytics, the assembly aims to ensure pro sports has a diverse and talented pipeline to lead these efforts and more. Visit prosportsassembly.com to learn more. Yeah, and what I heard you say there, last part, 100%, the, the faith, faith in yourself, and that was really the seed. The seed was, I know how to do this job. I know what it takes. I know what's wanted. And then you got a boost of confidence from encouragement and compliments from those that you worked with. And I've said before that compliments can fuel confidence and compliments in the, in the way that, hey, you did a really great job. I think those are so important. They're important as a manager. They're important as a leader. You've got to know your internal worth, but an girl or an attaboy is, is needed, respected, and something that's necessary to carry forward because it just might give someone the absolute push that they need to achieve their total excellence. So, so never Absolutely. underestimate that. And I'm happy Especially that you- it's such a thankless job. So yes. You always have to kind of a positive talk to yourself and just kind of reassure yourself, but also don't necessarily rely on that from other people, I would say. But if you're in that position of a higher up or a female in sports, like encouraging other women and and men in the industry and, and the people below you, because I did grunt work, as you know, in sports, it's a grind. It's a lot of grunt work. You can't have too much of an ego. You can't be above any certain thing, but recognizing that in yourself, but also other people is really helpful. Yeah, hundred percent. It's, it's necessary. And sometimes there's this negative stigma about celebration of great work or lending a, a compliment or a high five when something's done, because as you described, like we live in this cycle of, of hard work, of grunt work, of wearing that badge with the number of hours that we've worked, you know, on our, on our lapel. And, you know, I think if we zoom out a little bit, we're obviously all just people, but we're working in competitive sports competition where we celebrate victories. That is the number one reason why we all love working in athletics is celebrating the win. And that's something that we need to take on for ourselves as well, working behind the scenes. I think it's, it's really important to kind of encourage each other. And, and, and I feel like it's hard too. it's a fine line in sports because I would say that coming out, it's, it's like, I had to have clients to get clients. And so at the, the first question from a lot of different people is, well, who are your clients and who do you work with? And so I was very careful about claiming clients that were clients from my agency, not clients of my own. So I had to, I mean, completely build up that own client base of my own and be there for them. But also you don't want to put that on display. I wasn't 
I didn't start my company so that I could say, Hey, look at me. I started my company for Corey Davis and I work with Corey. It was because I cared about him as a human being. I saw the, the struggles that he faced off the field and I wanted to be there for him to help him just navigate those experiences and those first, whether it was in business or life or football or whatever it was and really just showing up for him and building that trust and trust takes time, especially with athletes. And you don't want to ever expose that and put their failures or their weaknesses on, on blast, or even just them as a person, like everyone else is already wanting something from them or expecting something from them. I was never going to just say, Hey, these are my clients just to grow my business. I wanted to show up for my clients that I did have it, that believed in me in the beginning and really prove my value and my worth for them and then grow just organically. Um, I didn't want to kind of be too showy or to grow too soon or jump into something that I wasn't ready for. Cause there was a lot, there still is a lot of things I don't know. And I'm still learning. And if I don't know it, I'm going to find the most trusted person who does know, or who is one of my mentors or has been in this space for a while that I can ask those questions and get advice and, and kind of help navigate the situation so that I can come back with a very confident answer for my client and know that it's the best suggestion or with a grain of salt, (laughs) um, that I can give them and completely unbiased. So what would you say to somebody looking to get their start? You mentioned you need clients in order to get, because that's the first question is, is who are you working with? So how do you get started? Networking. (laughs) I mean, relationships in this business are everything, relationships and trust. So don't just take an opportunity because, because it sounds good, I guess, on paper, make sure you're asking the right questions, asking people whose job you envy or you want and people you look up to. I've asked my clients, it's not whether either, whether they're clients, former, current, just in my agency, I asked them what they liked and didn't like about an agency and what they did and didn't like about the process of transitioning and what they learned. And that helped me, but it can also help my clients in the future. And I know I haven't lived it. I, ha- I haven't been that athlete making the transition. So the relationships that just because I'm not monetizing off my clients, like the advice and the just leadership and just the content and the questions and just like the knowledge that I've gotten from them or even being able to say, Hey, I have a kid that's going through this. And I did this with Corey and Harry Douglas. They were on the same team in Nashville and Harry kind of took them under his wing and was just like, Hey, I had a lot of this stuff come up, come up too. And Harry's such an advocate for helping younger athletes and mentoring them and kind of giving them advice. And so I wanted them to have that relationship. And I was going through something that I maybe didn't know how to help another client with. And I can go to one of my older veteran clients and be like, Hey, how did you handle the situation? Or do you mind having a conversation with him? Because it's very similar to what you went through. So it's just knowing your clients, knowing their story and like, they trust you with that. So you're not going to exploit it, but you know, that if another client's going through something similar, it's going to mean a lot more coming from a veteran client or someone who's retired than it is coming from me, you know? How do you balance 24 seven availability? I heard you say being available in the middle of the night, if somebody gets cut or needs to make a move, how do you as Rachel balance that proverbial work-life balance, but, um, but all those requests when you're managing other people's lives. (laughs) Depends on the day. (laughs) I, um, yeah, I mean, before, and that's another thing too, about working for myself before it was more, I was available. Yeah. Because I wanted to be there for my clients, but I had 80 something of them. And I was more scared of like more scared of missing a call or getting in trouble by a higher up or 
doing something wrong. And that's kind of what drove me and my work ethic and my hours and stuff like that. But when I took a step back and realized that that's why I started my company, like I wanted to be able to make my own hours. I want to show up for my clients when they need me. And yes, I'm still available 24 seven, but I try to put a little bit more boundaries, especially now that I've been doing it a little bit longer. I put boundaries and, and expectations with them of just, Hey, I'm available this time at this time. Yeah, I'm available after hours. And if you're a full-time client and you really need something or whatever, but if it's not an emergency, don't necessarily call if it can wait till the morning. Like I'm always going to answer. I mean, Harry and some of my guys like will joke because they'll, <laughs> Harry called me one time when he was in Hong Kong or something. It was like four o'clock in the morning here and called me to get towels sent up to his room. I said, Harry, <laughs> it is three o'clock in the morning. I can call the front office, but you can call down just that just as easily. And he's like, you're right. I'm so sorry. I didn't realize it. And I went back to sleep, but there's been times when a few weeks ago, one of my clients missed a connecting flight, trying to get to Djibouti, Africa, and there's not flights every day. And so I had to wake up and just spend three hours looking for private flights, looking for the best connections, looking for the next day out. Cause he had to get there by a certain ceremony. So that kind of stuff is urgent. And he called me once and he knows, I know he's going to call me again. Like it's going to ring. And I woke up immediately and he just knows I'm going to show up for that kind of stuff when it's important. And so it is hard, but there's definitely times where I get back from a trip or I just don't feel good. And I, I feel guilty if it's during the week or whatever. And I don't answer people's calls, but I just try to prioritize, prioritize myself. I try to prioritize my sleep. If I need a mental health recovery day, I'm going to take it. I'm not going to answer emails. I'm not going to answer people's calls. If it's a client, most of the time I'll still answer it but all the other stuff can wait that it's not urgent. And that's been a hard learning process. It gives me anxiety, but it's like, that's not urgent. That's not necessarily helping my business grow. So really just prioritizing myself and not getting burnt out um, is really important. So what's been the biggest hurdle so far in your career? Oh, that's a good question. Honestly, <laughs> entrepreneurship as a whole, I would say, but really just... Um, I guess how lonely it is, I would say, because a lot of my friends are married or at very different phases of their life or they're in office jobs that are nine to five or just I've had to move home to save money. I've had to like with, when COVID started, not a lot of people know this, but I worked at Amazon for a few months because I didn't know when sports were coming back. And yeah, I have savings, but I don't ever want to have to rely on that. I want to, I mean, I, babysat. I walked dogs throughout my career. Like I've done a lot of side stuff to be able to run a business and live the life I want to live. And a lot of people see on Instagram, me traveling or go to all, going to all these bachelor parties and going to be with my clients and getting to go to cool events. But it's definitely perception is always reality. Like, yeah, it's great. I've gone to a lot of cool things and a lot around a lot of cool people, but it's a grind. Like it's, it's hard. I have to save a lot of money that I don't necessarily have at times, or like, I have to say no to trips. I have to live at home with my parents for a little bit to save money until I figure out like where I'm going to be. And instead of wasting money on rent when I'm traveling all the time, it may make sense to stay at home for a little bit. So just kind of making hard decisions and really being disciplined with myself has been a learning curve because I'm such a hard worker and I'm so good at getting things done for other people. But when it comes to me prioritizing what I need to do for each client or each thing or what I need to spend money on or not, or when I need to go to an event and be in person or not, just making those decisions is, is tough. 
do you have any decision-making tricks? So the reason I asked that is because decision-making comes up a lot on this podcast and these conversations and in a few different mediums. So one is the fear of making a decision. And that is the next level of leadership when you can be decisive, trust your intuition, make the decision, stick to it, defend it, use the data to, to make the decision in the first place, um, you know, circling sort of around those ideas. So for you, you've got a lot of, as you described, cool opportunities that come up, travel, you know, requests, asks, decision-making is happening to you every minute of every day. So how do you navigate that? And do you have any quick tips for us? Yeah, it's definitely been a learning experience for sure, because I would say I'm usually the most indecisive person ever, especially when it comes to little things. But with business, I feel like in the beginning, I would say yes to everything, which I don't regret at all. I mean, I spent a lot of money, pretty much every, all the money I've, I've earned has gone back into my business, gone back into travel because all my expenses, my phone bill, my car, my car insurance, like my everything travel comes out of my pocket and my business pocket, trusting my gut and weighing the opportunity, like benefits, I guess. So pros and cons has really helped me. I mean, there's been huge opportunities and I'm currently struggling with one right now that it it might not be a possibility. It might be a possibility. I don't know what I would do one way or another. So it's just been like weighing the like consequences, weighing what I really want to do, where my career is going to be in a few years where I want it to be. Um, And really kind of seeing if it's going to be worth the money, the time, the experience, what will I get out of that experience? Will it be an introduction to someone who could become a huge client? Will it be appreciation by my client who they'll remember this one thing that I showed up for out of 17 other things, they would remember this one thing. Is it something that just kind of cost reward type situation and also just trusting your gut. I mean, it's really, it's tough. And there's times I overthink even when I, I'll use the Australia example, I went to therapy and I was like, I don't know, even if I get this job, which I don't think that I will, I don't know what I would do. I am dead set on this. And that's where I saw myself going, but this doesn't just come up for a reason, but, or does it, is it, is it there just to kind of give me a challenge or whatever? So it's just, she kind of took me through a good exercise of close your eyes, visualize where you are, visualizing yourself and taking each of those situations and those just making those decisions. Which one do you feel more comfortable with? Which one comes more naturally? Which one, like when you just close your eyes and think about it, what do you see? And that has really helped me kind of make decisions, honestly, with, with cause that, I mean, I feel like it goes into to trusting your gut because that pulls into what you really want, what you really see for yourself. Um, and not being too dead set on plans where you just expect something to happen or you're so clear focused on something that you ignore other things that could be cool opportunities. So it's definitely a hard balance because I know I also struggle with taking opportunities. And I always, I always think, what if, or what if I deny this and it could have been this and could have been this. And so it's really just been weighing those pros and cons and the consequences, cost reward and seeing kind of how it impacts my business as a whole. It's such a good tip to close your eyes and visualize. I really, really like that. The mind is such a powerful tool. And 
a lot of times when we say trust your gut, I believe in that 100%. Like your intuition is, is right, but you have to give yourself the space to uh, be able to recognize what your intuition is saying and decipher between nerves, nerves or nervousness about making that right decision or going down that path and feeling that decision might be incorrect. Like it could just be you're nervous about what is going to unfold for you Mm -hmm. in the future, not your body telling you that it's wrong. So that's something that I've personally struggled with when I can let my nerves get the best of me and I have to take a, take a minute, cool down, like get a cool head and then think about the opportunity again and say, Hey, is this, is this my nerves creeping back in or is my gut telling me to go in a different direction? Yeah. Well, and also just, I mean, I'm a Christian, so just praying about opportunities and just kind of knowing that I don't necessarily, I don't believe in regrets. I believe in maybe missed opportunities or not capitalizing on a certain situation but I don't regret anything in my life. I think that everything does happen for a reason. And then just because you don't necessarily pick the path that you thought you were supposed to go down or that you had originally wanted, or you feel like you made a mistake and chose the wrong thing. Like it's all going to be part of your journey and part of your story and part of your path. I don't think that there can necessarily be anything wrong in your own, in your own story, your own path and your own experience. Cause everyone's different. And And don't listen to what other people tell you they think that you should do for your life. That's a big one too, because that's hard for me. I'm a people pleaser. I am very close to my parents. My dad's very opinionated when it comes to my life and my career. My mom knows I'm more of a free spirit and kind of gives me advice with a grain of salt, but lets me make my own decisions. And so listening to people around you who, who you trust and know have your best interest at heart is important. And I think you should surround yourself with those people and ask those questions, but also don't let that dictate what you decide and which path you take, because at the end of the day, your faith in yourself and in God, and just like your own path is what should guide you in your decisions. Absolutely. Before we get to the final four questions, I'm going to ask you to tell us a great story. What's one of the coolest experiences or events or things that you've got to do with one of your clients so far with Perks Lifestyle Management? Yeah. So I guess with Perks, it would be a little bit different of an answer because in general, the story I always go back to, that's just kind of my why of why I created my company, why I do what I do was draft night with Corey and just kind of experiencing that for the first time. It was my first NFL draft that I got to go to was up in Philly just experiencing all of it with him as, as his first time going through it, obviously, and his, his life changing overnight of just really seeing to like him at the core of his excitement, his fear, his nerves, his, just everything, how he processed stuff. And, and once he was drafted, it was just like, none of that mattered, but it quickly went from that excitement, that shock, that happiness to oh crap, like I have a lot of responsibilities. I just became a millionaire overnight, but now I have everything coming at me. Uh, That's my family. That's my friends. That's the media. That's TMZ reporting a a story about something. That's this and that and the other. And everyone always having a target on your back and wanting something from you. So really just going through that with him. And I mean, I pulled him aside and we went off from the crowd and was just like, take a deep breath. Like, let's just talk through it. I'll get you another hotel room just for you away from everyone. You leave in the morning, just, just take it all in process it. 
take this night. It's best night of your not your life. Don't let all the other noise creep in quite yet. You have your whole career to kind of think about that. So just really seeing that experience and, and just kind of walking through that with him was a really cool, just reminded me that, that people don't know what all these athletes go through on the back end and how tough it can be. Um, but with perks, I don't know. I feel like I've done a lot of cool things. I don't, I guess, uh, um, this year I would have gone to Tokyo if had it not been for COVID, I would have gone with Rachel. So that would have been amazing because Carl was in training camp. So, and he wasn't able to go, but, um, unfortunately they didn't let any viewers and stuff, but I would say the coolest thing has been, it's such a good question. I don't know. With Marcus Williams, we got to do, um, a cool, it was basically showcasing his story about why he's so passionate about cancer and cancer research. And it was for the NFL, my cause, my cleats. And we went out there and did a whole documentary on him of just his story, why he's passionate about it, losing his grandpa from lung cancer and losing one of his best friends from college. Um, her mom passed away of brain cancer and just like his aunt from breast cancer. And so him just telling his story and being super authentic and really just sharing that and kind of going to explore around the city of new orleans and just kind of showing that story to everyone i mean robin roberts it got up to her and she kind of recognized him for that and and so it was just cool to kind of see how it all came together because it's something that i knew he was passionate about and that had shaped him and his career and why he is such a hard worker and yeah just kind of get him to tell that story and and um just raise money and awareness and everything for something he's passionate about was really cool. That's awesome. I, I absolutely love that. And just, it shows like the, the heart of the athlete and the heart of your job is making them seen and be, be seen as the humans that they are. Yes. The performance on the field is, is paramount, um, but they're, they're a 360 human and you get a chance to let that light shine. That's really cool. I'll have one more I throw in there. I'll throw in there real quick. It's similar, but it's um, Tory Craig when he was at the Nuggets. He found out his mom was incarcerated growing up. So he's super passionate about working with kids with incarcerated parents. And so we kind of partnered with a foundation in Denver. And there was a little six-year-old boy who had been shot in the lungs from as a victim of uh, gang violence. And it was through the wall at his apartment. And we had found out about the story. Tori had heard about it ended up FaceTiming and doing like a video for the little boy and kind of just being like, Hey, get better when he was in the hospital and kind of like telling him that he wanted to bring him out for a game and give him tickets and stuff. Cause he's a huge Nuggets fan. And so we got to bring him out to the stadium and do a behind the scenes tour of the locker room and hang out with Tori for a day and shoot on the court and just sit front row. It was really cool. He got to meet all the guys in the locker room. So it was just a cool experience of something that resonated with him because it's something he grew up passionate about and, and grew up firsthand experiencing. So he wants to give back to those kids who are in similar situations. So it was cool. That's fantastic. Good for Corey for recognizing that kid and what he needed and providing him an experience of a lifetime. It's, it's why we love sports. It's why we love what we get to do because it creates amazing memories for people. So with that, I could talk to you all day, but <laughs> let's get into the final four questions. So number one, your best piece of advice for women. I would say don't let anyone define you or your success. So know your values, know your morals, stick to them. 
uh, opinions and opportunities are <laughs> gonna come at you often, but make sure that the ones, the opinions and opp opportunities you take are really meant for you and align with your vision and your goals and your values, because there's always gonna be another opportunity. There's always gonna be someone trying to put you in different situations or capitalize on, on your talents or whatever it is, but really just kind of sticking to your core of who you are is really important in this industry because it's a very cutthroat industry. Favorite place to travel and one place you'd like to visit? To give in Australia, <laughs> favorite country in the world. Um, I really want to go back. Obviously I was going to move there, but um, favorite place I, or place I want to visit is Thailand. I really want to ride an elephant <laughs> and um, yeah, I've heard it's beautiful and just kind of travel, do maybe like a wellness retreat at some point um, there, Bali. So yeah, I'm coming with that's on my list too. Come on. <laughs> Song you are playing on repeat right now. I'm very ADD. You can't tell. So I am very song ADD. I switch around a lot. So I've actually been listening to like a lot of remixes lately. It's um, these two guys, it's, it's called two friends. And so they have a bunch of different remixes that kind of pull in a lot of old school throwbacks and kind of throw in some current songs that uh, mix it up. So it's a little bit of each and kind of keeps bouncing around. So I'll do that a lot over the summer when or the lake and wake surfing and stuff. So been listening to that a lot. Very cool. What is your favorite quote? Never let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game. Well, isn't that, <laughs> isn't that perfect? I know. That's fantastic. Okay. So where can we keep in touch? Can we follow you on social media? Where, where do we stay in touch with Rachel? Yeah. So my personal Instagram is just Rachel Perkins. My name work Instagram is perks lifestyle management. Um, and then my website is just perkslm.com. So yeah, all my information is there. Send me a DM or shoot me an email. You can just hit the email button on my profile, but yeah, definitely happy to connect and, and answer any questions that anyone has. Well, thank you so much for being on the leadership is female podcast. We appreciate you and, um, you've lent us so much incredible advice and we wish you all the best. And we know that you don't need our luck because you've already got it. <laughs> no, I don't, but I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. With that, let's get into the top four takeaways. Number one, don't listen to what other people think about what is right for your life. Number two, when making a critical decision, close your eyes and visualize one choice and then the other. What do you see? What do you feel? Let that exercise help to bring you clarity. Number three, lots of opportunities will come your way. Make sure the opportunity you select aligns with your values and the core of who you are and who you want to be. Number four, you can't be a yes woman. Put people pleasing aside and make business decisions. Hey leaders, if you want to be in for a treat, definitely subscribe to the show if you have not done so already, because we have so many amazing episodes coming up. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify, wherever you listen so you don't miss out. And if you leave us a review or post about me or tag leadership is female on your Instagram stories, 
to talk about the show, we'll enter you into a giveaway. We're giving away something every single month. Some of my favorite things from my favorite work bag to my favorite sunglasses. Make sure that you spread the word and we will reward you for that. I'll also send you a personal thank you note and repost your comments and reviews. Last thing, did this episode bring you any insights, ideas, aha moments, anything you are inspired by? If so, take one second and share the link, post about it on your Instagram, text your friend, email, so many ways to share leadership is female. And if you do post about this show, again, don't forget to tag at Leadership is Female or at Emily Jansen or my awesome guest today, because knowing that this conversation made a difference for you means the world to us and we love to see it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Leadership is Female podcast. It means the world to me that you chose to spend your time with this podcast today. If you like this episode, subscribe, share, and review. What can you do today to lead her forward? We will do our part to lead her forward because leadership is female. Thank you for joining us. This podcast was recorded and edited by Emily Jansen, public relations by Paige Hegedus, and distributed by Anchor FM.